0: We're all cheering here in the, in the audience. And Michael's going to lead it off here. Yeah. <laughs> hi. A big quantum hi.
1: <laughs> Look at all the hands waving. It's great. <laughs> well, I'm going to read a little section here from one of the write-ups in this book. I'm just about to give away the name of the movie, if you haven't guessed it yet. <laughs> History would not exist if he did not keep making the same mistake in the present is what Jesus says in the course. Isn't that amazing? I just love that line. What a statement. It's an exciting invitation to look more deeply at the world we think we know. So the movie today is... Drum roll. You got a drum roll there? Sound (laughs) effects? Mr. Nobody. Yes. Who hasn't seen Mr. Nobody on the screen there? Put your hands up. Oh, no. quite a few. No. Yes. Oh, you're no. in for a treat. So it's in chapter three if you happen to have the book. And I noticed David sort of gave it away last night. You said something about getting the book and opening you up can't chapter sleep three. At night, yeah. <laughs> read chapter three. So anyway, we're in for a real ride today, so enjoy. And we'll
0: get straight into it with David. <laughs> <laughs> okay, beautiful. Well, yeah, it's very. I, f- I can feel the excitement building because, as I said, uh, uh, we're going to be going and undoing a lot of of religious beliefs and spiritual beliefs because, in the end, just Jesus and Buddha both had said the same thing. They said, "Empty your mind. Empty your mind of everything." and And that means, of course, of, of the spiritual beliefs and the religious beliefs have to go as well because theology is. Uh, Still just a stepping stone or a trampoline to an actual experience of union with God and direct union with God. Uh, Some of you might remember from the manual for teachers, uh, they asked Jesus the question in the manual for teachers, you know, can God be reached directly? And uh, he says, Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> that's his answer uh, to "Can God be reached directly?" That's very encouraging as we are on this spiritual journey. That you know, if anybody tells you 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 know you don't have a chance of experiencing God or a chance of hearing the Holy Spirit in this lifetime, uh, Jesus does say it's 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 very rare and and you would not have God in in sustained awareness for long, because if you were aware of God and and you went into revelation, the world would disappear. So you'd have the disappearance of the universe uh, because light and darkness don't coexist. One is real, light is real, and darkness is not real. So uh, I feel we have a a very important opportunity and all of us are gathered here, we're gathered with you, but we're really doing this for the whole universe because it's its really just one mind that's sleeping and dreaming and so as we give our all here to, to open up and to desire the truth above all else and desire to know God and know our divinity as Christ, then That desire is really radiates out for the whole cosmos, the whole universe, the whole Sonship, Jesus might say. And this morning, I I don't know if any of you do the workbook lessons, they actually have some people that do the lessons like one day a year for 365 days a year. And um, actually, uh, I was listening to the reading, I have a corresponding reading from the text that goes with the workbook lesson today. And as I was just listening to that this morning, I got to this uh, second um, paragraph uh, here from The Goal of Specialness in Chapter 24. And as I was reading through it today, it just dawned on me like, oh my god, this is the movie. This is our movie today. The reading of the day synchronizes perfectly with the movie, Mm -hmm. so I'll start off with that. And this is again from chapter 24 in the Course in Miracles, The Goal of Specialness. Jesus says, There is no dream of specialness, however hidden, or disguised the form, however lovely it may seem to be, however much it delicately offers the hope of peace and the escape from pain, in which you suffer not your condemnation. In other words, specialness and the fantasies of this world are very cleverly disguised forms of the purpose of death. In other words, if, if death had no attraction and guilt had no attraction, you could just drop it like a hot potato. You could drop it in an instant, but the ego is so clever that it disguises death and it disguises guilt in attractive forms, almost like jewels that glimmer. And some of you have read those passages in the Course where he's talking one minute about rubies, but uh, the rubies are are jewels, but really he's calling them like drops of blood. (laughs) Uh, he, he He makes that transition. And diamonds that sparkle, he says, are tears. And so everything of this world that glimmers and draws your attention is part of specialness. He says, in dreams effect and cause are interchanged. For here the maker of the dream believes that what he made is happening to him. He does not realize he picked a thread from here, a scrap from there, and wove a picture out of nothing. For the parts do not belong together and the whole contributes nothing to the parts to give them meaning." So the thing that we consider, even if you consider in a human lifetime, you say, well I have a spiritual life and this is my economic conditions and here's my cultural conditions. Here's where I came from, genetically, uh, from mom and dad and our lineage. Um, Here's the country I live in. Here's my family situation, who's alive, who's dead. Um, uh, Immediate family situation. Um, Here's my neighborhood. You see all those little fragments that we talk about when we talk about ourselves as a personality. Those are all little bits and parts. And basically, they don't mean anything to the whole. It's like, it's almost like a ripple in the ocean, trying to tell the ocean what it is. And the ocean's so vast that it's not even aware of the ripple. And our Christ self and God and love and oneness is so vast that it's not aware of these little ripples and nuances that turn into issues and big issues for human beings. The, the whole is unaware of the, the struggle of the parts or the assembly of different parts, you know, that break apart and come together in different constellations. In this world, when two people, a a married couple will say breaks up, it's a big deal. And then when someone finds another partner, that's a big deal. And when somebody dies, that's a big deal. Uh, We were on our way today and Lisa had a call and uh, it was her, her daughter saying, I just got out of surgery. And okay. I'm okay. I just got out of surgery, and and uh, and our friend Jason. Some of you know Jason Warwick. He just he just got out of surgery and everything. Surgery is a is a big deal in the world because it's a big deal to the personality self. Because why this the personality self believes it's being operated on. <laughs> I think Jason had like a four hour surgery yesterday. A four hour surgery is a, is a big deal in the world, but. But when you're talking about the whole, the quantum whole, the quantum field, these are little teeny ripples and nuances that, that that don't even register to the whole. The whole is so vast, and that's who we are: is this whole. So, I thought uh, yesterday too. I played uh, lesson number 300. Uh, I read it, and and uh, it's only an instant does this world endure, and. That is so profound to think first of all, that this world is over and gone already. We're just remembering what is already gone. It's like, it's like having a, a fire and the fire is already out. It's put out, it's snuffed out, it's long ago snuffed out and gone. And you keep having memories, ooh, I, that fire. You keep remembering something that is long ago gone. Separation is long ago over. It was corrected by the Holy Spirit, it was answered. It's over, it's out, it's done. In fact, it really never was, but but just for this metaphor, it's you don't need to keep drawing the past into the present. You don't have to keep remembering these old scenarios, these old ideas. I remember, um, well we just had uh, Netta talking about a past life regression she had had, and, and a number of people have had past life regressions. I know. Jackie and Kirsten uh, had gone through a number of past life regressions, but I had a friend resta who um, she was pretty good at remembering her past lives. She would talk to me for hours and hours of in great detail of her past lives and and uh, who she had had been annie besant and and these different characters really some amazing characters in history and and all the things she went through but In the end, past lives are part of a construct, too, that's just a projection of the ego. Or Gary Renard's recent book, you know, The Lifetimes Where Jesus and Buddha Live Together. What if Jesus and Buddha never had past lives? (laughs) We're cranking it up a little bit here. Uh, We're saying, come on to the table and into mysticism into a state of mind that transcends the belief in past lives even, that transcends the belief in reincarnation, which is a very linear construct, actually. Uh, you, we start to realize every single thought we've ever had about time and space is part of an erroneous belief system, and we're here to free our mind from all beliefs and and wake up to the Christ-self that we truly are. So. This is the most glorious awakening that could ever be, and we're all going to go on this adventure with this movie today. Now this lesson that I read for you, lesson 300, there's a friend of mine who, who made a song about that lesson, lesson number 300. Only an instant does this world endure. And she, I mean this was the Holy Spirit, poured through her with such intensity Because if if we can come back down into that instant and realize that it's over and gone, and we can dive into the holy instant, that's it for the ego. That's, that's curtains. That's, that's the end of the ego. But there is enormous resistance to that (coughs) awakening, and this song kind of captures the intensity of what we're going for together, because we're going for a complete awakening. We're not going for uh, having a better life in the world. We're not going for self-improvement or self-help as the world judges it. We're we're going for self-realization, and I mean capital self-realization, Christ-realization. So I'm going to play this song for you on my iPhone here. I've got a microphone right here under my chin, and I'm just going to play this. So just, let's just use this as a meditation before we start the movie today, and just see if you can feel the intensity of going back in your mind to that instant where you see that all death and all sorrow is contained in this little gap of an unholy instant, and then see if you can feel much beyond this tiny ancient instant, the holy instant, the vibrancy of of identity in Christ and the vibrancy of eternity. She really goes for that at the end. If you see if you can feel how powerful eternity is and how nothing this little instant of time-space is. Because if you can just start to get a feeling for this, you're going to have so much energy and so much faith, that that will lead you toward the holy instant, towards that eternity. So here we go. This is Elisa Moore from her album, In Every Heartbeat. This is called, Only an Instant Does This World Endure. Lesson 300. This is where you buckle your seatbelt, because we are going to have a quantum movie. <coughs> if some of you have not seen a quantum movie before, you're in for a huge treat. A quantum movie is is a movie that can be used very directly by the spirit to start to unwind and dismantle the self-concept. And Michael was talking... And uh, Lisa was sharing uh, that all our struggles in this world are really self-concept issues and goals. It's trying to protect or to reinforce a self that doesn't exist. And even self-help books where they're trying to help the personality self. You know, there's a whole section in most libraries on self-help. But this is going way, way beyond self-help into forgiving the self that you thought you were, and accepting the real self that you are and forever have been, the I AM presence, before time was, as Jesus taught, before Abraham was, I AM. You could put your own name in there instead of Abraham. <laughs> before the personality self was, I AM. And that's the truth, that's, that is the, the words that point to the actual experience of the truth. So, we're going to watch this movie today and I'll give you a little bit of a setup before we start because uh, it, it helps to have every, everything that you have as a context will help you with this movie. Uh, first of all, it's not the kind of movie that, that has like a plot and you follow along and you hope to find a, a resolution. Uh, that's what the ego enjoys, a beginning, a middle and an end. Uh, but this movie is not designed that way. Uh, first of all, let's just take a look at the name. Mr. Nobody. Mr. Nobody. starts to remind you of the Course in Miracles lesson. I am not a body, I am free. For I am still as God created me. So Mr. Nobody, there's something there, there's a presence there that's not a body. And uh, in this movie, uh, Mr. Nobody uh, has a name, it's the same name as uh, the the fish movie, Nemo. Uh, Instead of finding Nemo, we're looking at finding Christ is actually what we're about today. We're, We're on a finding Christ mission and Mr. Nobody, that's a clue that who you are, who I am, none of us are really the body. The body was made by the ego in terms of vibrations, it's very dense, it's vibrating at a very slow frequency and it's not who we are. If you go higher and higher into higher states of consciousness you actually go higher and higher to the point that you can move into the, the ethers and you can be move into spirit which is pure I am presence. It literally has no body, it never had a body, the Spirit never had a body, and even with Jesus, the Spirit never really came into matter. Uh, it never came into Jesus. It was just like the Holy Spirit used Jesus as a puppet to speak of uh, what is beyond this world and, and to demonstrate through His love and kindness and friendliness the, the, how wonderful the Spirit really is. So, Mr. Nobody, I am not a body, I am free. And who could, who could forget the Beatles, the Beatles, all of the Beatles songs, everybody remembers All You Need Is Love, but what about, he's a real nowhere man, living in a nowhere land. Making all his nowhere plans for nobody. Nobody. <laughs> He's not making any plans for nobody because there isn't a body. The Beatles were onto it. All you need is love and Mr. Nowhere. Nowhere Land, I think was the name of it, wasn't it? Uh, that's amazing. Those are all foreshadowing the awakening. The Beatles were foreshadowing this spiritual awakening too. So, the main character in this movie is, uh, is Nemo. Now, we're going to really get snippets from Nemo's lives, potential lives. <laughs> There's a lot of, uh, you know, if, if some of you have heard of parallel lifetimes or multiple lifetimes, Parallel lifetimes have that thing that they're going on simultaneously. What I said earlier was all of these seeming, quote, lifetimes, including the lifetimes of Buddha and Jesus, and all the lifetimes are all going on simultaneously. Because, why? Because time isn't linear. Time is simultaneous. It's a more accurate uh, representation of time, not linear time, but simultaneous time. And so this movie is a great reflection of that simultaneous time. We see little threads of, of Nemo in this movie. Going all the way from prenatal, before ne- Nemo is born, there's actually a little scene where uh, he's with the angels of oblivion before he's born. And the angels of, Bolivia, of oblivion are helping before people are born. They they forget aspects of of their life. You know, did anyone ever see that movie uh, with Robert Downey Jr.? Chances are, has anybody seen that one where uh, he's supposed to get his uh, amnesia shot? And uh, the whole movie is based on the, the premise that he he's so anxious to get back on Earth that he. The angel is supposed to give him his amnesia shot, so he forgets his previous lifetime, and then it, all these memory fragments start coming back into his life. Well, Nemo actually has a pre-pre-natal uh, scene where he's with the angels of oblivion, and everybody uh, they kind of touch the lip, uh, the lower lip of of everyone before they come in, and so they forget. They forget. The, the past, before they come into this lifetime, but uh, he missed his, um, his uh, little touch on the lip and therefore he's got all of these different fragments of memory from these seemingly different lifetimes, we'll call them, really these are just projections of the ego. All lifetimes, all things in form are projections of the ego, all these separate experiences and lifetimes and he's got all of these whirling around, everything from prenatal all the way through when he's nine years old and his parents divorce, all the way through when he's 15 and his first love relationship with Anna, two teenagers having sex in their, their parents' house, uh, all the way to 34 when uh, he's an adult. And and not only that, there seems to be these pivotal points in his in his memory of his life, where it seems to go off into alternate uh, alternate scenarios. Uh, Like uh, we'll talk about this train station scene where he seems to have to pick between staying with his mother or staying with his father. An impossible choice for a nine-year-old to make. Who do you want to stay with, your mother or your father? It's almost like saying, if you love your mother and you love your father, which one do you love more? You know, that's not love. Love isn't a more or less thing. Love love isn't a choice between options. In fact, we've had similar to make choices sometimes with parents, but but in in reality we have one spirit parent, and that spirit parent is God. And we don't have to choose between two different gods or two different loves. We, we, that's a crazy choice to try to choose between this love and that love. In fact, Jesus tells us in the workbook, there is only the love of God. There are not different kinds of love. There is only one love. There is only one spirit. There is only one self. And we're going to watch Nemo as he goes through a bunch of memories and he's trying to sort out who he really is. And we'll follow him from prenatal all the way through his young years, 9 years old, 15 years old, 34 years old. Those are the th- main time uh, points and varieties of things. And, and also through his different love relationships. You know, in this movie uh, we're going to see three different lifetimes spin out where he, has, he gets married to three different women In these different uh, scenarios, Uh, one is named Anna, one is Elisa, one is uh, Jean. And all of these marriages are, are just like everything in this world, are predicated on a belief in lack or unworthiness. Looking for fulfillment in a soulmate, looking for fulfillment in a partner, or maybe marrying for reasons other than love. All these kind of motives are, are explored in this movie. And when you look at these three scenarios, if you were told ahead of time in a movie synopsis that, that Nemo has three different life partners or three different uh, wives, so to speak, um, people would say, oh, it's a movie about polygamy. No it's not. This is not polygamy, we're into quantum. Uh, <laughs> this is a movie where Nemo has three wives and he's not polygamous. <laughs> Because, because we're in the quantum realm. These are just scenarios in the mind that are playing out. And, and it's playing out these egoic desires. Looking for love in all the wrong places. Looking for love in too many faces. In this case, in three different faces. And still not finding complete fulfillment, complete joy, complete happiness through the form. Because when we look for love in form, We are looking for love in what the ego made. The ego made the form. The ego projected out the cosmos. The ego made time and space. In the Beyond All Idols section of A Course in Miracles, there's one simple sentence. And the sentence has four words in it and a period. And this is what it is. God knows not form. How's that for a sentence? God knows not form. God did not create form, God does not know form. The Holy Spirit, which is a representative of God in the Holy Trinity, is, he, he can see past the illusion, so He can use the form to take you back to the formless. He can use the symbols to take you beyond the symbols. That's what the Holy Spirit's purpose is, that's why we pray to the Holy Spirit for guidance. We don't pray, you know, in the morning and just sit there, Okay, Holy Spirit, I am abstract love and light. There is no form. I don't need your help. I am the Christ. You know, you don't start if you believe in a dream, and you've been dreaming a dream, and you're concerned about food and clothing and jobs and being late, and and all kinds of scenarios and situations. You, you basically pray to the Holy Spirit and you say, help me! Or, or is it, who's it? Uh, James Brown, help me! <laughs> help me, Holy Spirit, help me! you got to do your James Brown in the morning with some intensity. <laughs> if you're dreaming a dream of separation and fragmentation, you're going to have to have some help to remember you're the Christ. You can't just t- click your heels together, your ruby slippers, uh, or twinkle your nose like Samantha on Bewitched, you know, and go, okay, I'm the Christ, I'm the Christ. You can't affirm your way back there. You need some help. Help me. Help me, Lord. That's the way to get into it, you know. That's the prayer of the heart. You know, I need help in my perception. And the thing about this movie is, this movie is a good lead-in to another little booklet that I took down. It's, it's even tinier than this book. Mm-hmm. This book is tinier than The Course, it's tinier than Unwind Your Mind or Awakening Through A Course in Miracles. It's just a tiny little orange impactful book with Jesus on the cover, Quantum Forgiveness. But tinier than this, as some of you have heard of, His Purpose is the Only Choice. Which, that's going to be where this movie leads you, is towards that tiny little booklet. That really, every second of every day, you're just choosing between the ego and the Holy Spirit. those form decisions you think you have, where all those issues are about health and the body, about nutrition, about how much money is in your bank account, feeding your family, you know, all those things, how do I survive, you know, all those kind of issues, are, are choices about form, and The Course of Miracles is nothing more than teaching you that every second of every day, you need to ask yourself, what is this for? Why am I doing this? What is the purpose of this? Before I even came to A Course in Miracles, I was in 10 years of, of university and I remember in, in undergrad and grad school, walking around this, this little park uh, over next to University of Cincinnati and I would ponder, what is this all about? What am I doing here in university? Why am I studying all these things? What is this degree going to really do for me? how am i going to find true happiness what what do you want what am i is to become of me what is this all about i don't really feel like university is really what the meaning of life is or graduate school there has to be something more than this and and i would get this sense of purpose like this, i would feel this intuitive sense of just keep questioning what is it for Why are you spending 10 years in school full-time? Good question, the spirit was like saying, good, good, good. Well, maybe it's because you, you want a career. Why do you want a career? Because I need money. Why do you need money? Because I want a relationship and a house and a car you know i mean all i would follow it in what am i doing things for and the more that i ask what am i doing all this for the more i started to realize there's a different purpose and it was a wake up call i was getting a wake up call to wake up from time and space this movie will really help you this this movie will save you thousands of years in in spiritual effort thousands and thousands of years because We're getting beyond those issues of, what does my body need, to the need to know thyself. The need to wake up and remember God and who you really are. And Nemo is just going to help us because Nemo is really pondering, what is this all about? Who am I? Uh, The context too of the movie is that not only do we have a little prenatal scene in there and, and scenes throughout his lifetime, but but Nemo grows, grows old and he's, we see some scenes of him as 117 years old, almost 118. And he has a prophecy during the movie that tells him that he needs to stay alive until the exact point when he's 118 years old and at 5 something in the morning, uh, exactly when it, he, he needs to stay alive till this point. Ne- Nemo is basically the last living mortal in this movie because the movie goes ahead um, about 70, 75 years into the future from now to a point where he's the last living human being. And what I mean by that is the other humans now are have found a way not to die. <laughs> they have found a way to use... Um, what is it, from pigs? Stem cells. Stem cells from pigs to regenerate and so the body doesn't have to die. And here Nemo becomes the last living mortal, the last human being. who He, he doesn't have the stem cells. So he's, he's going through a dying process and, and he's pondering, what is this all about? Why do I have all these memories? We also will see a reporter in this movie who's trying to understand from the linear perspective, you know, about who are these pe- people, did you have children or not, you know, were you were you you know, all these kind of questions about about his worldly life, his worldly perception to try to figure them out and the ego is always trying to have us figure out who we are from the form Not realizing that the form isn't causative and that our cause is God. We are the Christ and we have an eternal creator and all these projections we call human beings in time and space are all an attempt to figure out who we are using the form. But we will never find our identity in the form. We have to go inside, we have to go within and let our, our thoughts fly home to heaven and not all, not hold on to all these hypothetical thoughts so in in the movie as well as in quantum forgiveness, I talk a lot about hypotheticals. Hypotheticals are basically if you really squeeze them down they're they 're as if statements or as if scenarios like let's say let's say you're looking back at the past and you 're just saying uh." My life would be so much better if I had just married this person, or if I just hadn't been divorced, or if I just hadn't left my children. My life would be so much better if I'd only had that operation 10 years ago that I felt I should have. The coulda, woulda, shoulda's are all hypotheticals. Let me give you another example. Some of you like to watch movies, and then you get, the we'll say, the DVD although that technology is quickly disappearing. I better get it in here before I already had eight tracks and cassettes wiped out. Uh, I'm going to use a DVD metaphor. So you get the DVD and you watch the DVD and it's got the, the published movie, but then you go into the DVD and it says, here's alternate endings. Has anybody ever gone into the director's cut or alternate endings? These are endings that were not published. They were never shown on the big screen, but they're on the DVD. Uh, the, the different ways that the, the movie could end. Those are hypotheticals. Those are, all, those are hypothetical endings. And you're just getting a, tr- a thrill out of fantasy endings that, that didn't make it into the published movie. Now What I'm going to tell you next is going to blow your mind though. <laughs> you know the actual movie and the DVD that wasn't an alternative ending? That whole movie was a hypothetical, too. The the life that you think you're living now is a hypothetical. Because everything that occurs, whether it seems to actually occur, or whether it's imagined, is all hypothetical, because why? Because cause and effect are together. God and Christ are together. And Christ cannot leave, the effect cannot leave the cause. And everything that you perceive in this world and this whole cosmos is all hypotheticals. The entire cosmos is imaginary. The entire cosmos is a fantasy. The entire cosmos is, even though the things that you have memories of what actually happened, like me talking to you last night, uh, you know, it seemed to really happen. It didn't. I'm here to tell you it didn't happen. It was a, f- it was. It was just another hypothetical of David talking to you about, you know, cause and effect. Now he's still babbling on the next day. And it's just more hypotheticals. It's all hypotheticals. This is a hypothetical world because why? Because it's as if the separation from God actually happened. The key words, as if. But heaven doesn't fragment. Heaven doesn't take on realms and spheres and planets and stars. Heaven doesn't involve bodies. The whole world, the fall from grace that the Bible talks about, that's a hypothetical. Adam and Eve are hypotheticals. Jesus and Buddha are hypotheticals. David's a hypothetical. Every person, every animal, every ant, every beetle is a hypothetical beetle. The beetles are hypothetical. Oh, look at that. I see. I'm touching some chords there. I told you you'd have to question everything you believe. What about the whales? The whales are hypothetical. You know, they say, save the whales. Mother Nature is hypothetical. Father Time is hypothetical. And a punishing God is definitely hypothetical. I'll tell you that much. God is not a punishing God. But God, the real God, the God of love, the Creator is a fact. That is no hypothetical. And, and God's creations, Spirit, that's a fact. And Christ, not Jesus the man, but the Christ idea is a fact. So love is a fact, and everything else is hypothetical. And that's why the Beatles said, all you need is love, because they're saying, come back to the fact. Let go of the hypotheticals and come back to the fact. This is so important because I'll tell you this, all guilt arises from hypotheticals. And the ego just uses linear time to reinforce the guilt. Oh, you could have been a better mother, a better father, a better brother, sister. Uh, Oh, you, you could have achieved more. You could have accumulated more. You could have had a better career. You could have been a better singer. You could have been a better writer. You could have made more money. You could have, you know, The sneaky thing is, the ego takes the hypotheticals, and then it tells you that there's successful hypotheticals. And if you don't reach the high successful hypotheticals, you're a loser. The ego goes, ah, you know, you keep trying to reach these ideals, to be a good mom, to be a successful person. You know, it's always putting these ideals of hypotheticals, and then you, sometimes you can't reach them. And then you look around and you say, well, other people reach them. No, no, they aren't really reaching anything. It's all fabrication. Nobody's reaching anything. The whole push in this world is all about strive and achieve and accumulate and be successful. And Jesus is telling us, no, no, success is peace of mind. Success is remembering who you are as the Christ. Success is know thyself you don't know what success is, and you're just on a wheel, a karmic wheel of chasing after imaginary things and imaginary identities that have no reality whatsoever. And that's why you get stressed out, that's why you get sick, that's why you seem to die, that's why you have so many struggles, as you're chasing after imaginary hypotheticals. And this movie is going to show you that, because Nemo is, is, he wants to wake up. He wants to wake up. He wants to really know who he is. And then of course at the very end uh, I'm going to play a music video after the movie and Michael will chime in with some amazing things. Some of you who have studied physics know that when you study physics and quantum physics, they basically tell you that time seems to move in one direction. It seems to move from past to future but the laws of physics say that you should be able to move back in time just as easily as forward. And what that is showing us is too, is that these hypotheticals, whether they're forward hypotheticals or reverse hypotheticals are all the same. Most people aren't aware of these reverse hypotheticals, but it's, it's a very much of a, a practice of physics, that that you should be able to go back just as easily as you go forward. There's going to be a little bit of that towards the end of this movie, which to me is a beautiful symbol of we have to let go of everything we think we know. Even the belief that time moves toward the future, that is a belief. That's still just a belief. So, okay, Nicholas. I think we're ready to take it away. A little section here. Michael Michael has one more brief thing that he wants to add here before we (laughs) get into the movie. Read
1: this part because I think it's a beautiful lead-in to the movie. Uh, David writes, It takes enormous willingness to consider the idea that everything in time and space is hypothetical. It takes going down the rabbit hole and then some. But the gift that awaits us as we start to align with the truth is more fulfilling than anything we can imagine. Mr. Nobody takes us on a journey that beautifully dismantles the world of form, of cause and effect, and shows what happens when we let go of our desire
0: to stay distracted by a made-up world. Amen. Amen. Okay. Take your way, Nicholas. Get your popcorn. (laughs) Get your snacks ready. Here we go. We're going on an adventure into the mind. We call this pigeon (laughs) superstition. Because I have people watch this movie and they go, come on, what's going on with this pigeon, David? I mean, it got me confused at the beginning. I'm like saying, what the heck is going on with the pigeon? Some of you have heard of B.F. Skinner and stimulus response and how how you study behaviors to try to deduce meaning. Uh, That's what... Stimulus response. Behavioral psychology is all about studying behaviors. Again, Jesus would laugh. He would say you're studying effects to look for actions and consequences or causes and effects that aren't even there because human behavior is is on the realm of perception and the realm of form and there aren't things that you actually do that cause other things. Uh, There's a lot of beliefs like people will tell me, Well, David, I can't really drink drink caffeine before I go to sleep, because I won't be able to sleep. Like the caffeine is causative, and the not sleeping is the effect. You know, that's all in the mind, by the way. It's all made up. There's nothing causative about caffeine. Caffeine doesn't keep you awake. It's just magic. It's just, it's, it's like associations that are built up, and enough Enough associations are made and then people say, well you know, caffeine keeps you awake. Or, if you people will say, well that's, that's not so dramatic, but if you eat too much food you'll get fat. You know, that's not true. There are people with high metabolic rates that, that eat and eat and eat and eat and eat, and they're skinny as a rail. <laughs> it's, it's just a belief in cause and effect. Now with the pigeon, let me just talk about this pigeon real quick, so we don't have pigeon questions. I don't want (laughs) us to get through today, and it's like, can we go back to the pigeon? Let's solve the pigeon thing right away, so you're not messing around and thinking about that the whole movie. The pigeon, basically, is in there, wants the food. And so they do this experiment where they randomly uh, send open the door and send some seeds. The thing is, the pigeon is a reflection of the ego belief system, so it's going to try to associate what happened in form. Like, why did that that door open releasing the C? What was I doing? Was I flapping my wings? Was I over in a certain position? Was I doing something? And this is the same thing that happens in relationship. You have a partner and you find out where their G-spot is, or you find out what to do where they coo and they go, ooh, and you think, There you go, I'm going to make them love me by this action, or I'm going to to be a good boy or a good girl, or I'm going to behave, and then people will like me if I behave. That's the same thing as the pigeon, where you're making associations in your mind, and you think that you do something behavior-wise, and it's going to bring you something. But behavior isn't causative, it's all misperception, and it's all about the thoughts. And as long as you hang on to ego thoughts, it wants you to make false associations because when you make false associations in linear time, you stay stuck in linear time in your belief and then you don't escape it. And the ego doesn't want you to go back to eternity. It wants to have you stuck in time. So is the pigeon example is the pigeon just, he, it wants the food and it's in a cage and it wants the food so it, When the door opens, even randomly, it's going to look, what was I doing? How did I make that door open? It didn't (laughs) make the door open. You may be trying, let's say you're trying to go on a date to attract a partner and you get all dolled up and you're all dressed up in your best suit or your dress and you wear your makeup or you've got your gold watch on or whatever and you're going to try to attract another body to you as a partner And you actually believe that you can do something in form with your behavior to get a partner. This is a classic example of false cause and effect. Mm -hmm. You're trying to attract a life partner by doing things. You actually think that by changing things in form, you're going to attract a life partner. Most of us know intuitively, if you just relax and you be yourself and you're laughing and you're fun and you're joyful and everything, That's your state of mind, and when you're in a loving, happy, joyful, free-flowing, peaceful state of mind, you're going to attract, that mind will attract all kinds of witnesses to that state of mind. But if you don't know who you are, and you're conflicted, and you've got all this unconscious darkness on there, you're going to get a mixed bag of witnesses. You may have Romeo come along, but you may have Frankenstein too, the next day. You know, you may have this beautiful prince that comes along, or this beautiful princess, but you may have a mass murderer that's coming along the next day, and you're going, what did I do different? I had the prince, the princess one day, and then I get uh, Charles Manson the next day. Did I just have a bad day? Was I unlucky? Or what did I do to attract that? You don't do anything. It's in the mind. It's all in the mind. It's, where's your altar? Is your altar full of happiness and joy and and thoughts with the Holy Spirit or are you thinking with the ego? And if you're thinking with the ego, you're going to attract all kinds of conflicting witnesses and you're going to get more confused and you're going to think, I'm never going to wake up, look at me, I can't do it, I keep attracting these conflicting witnesses. So the pigeon thing is important because that little pigeon experiment that he was talking about was talking about false cause and effect and that's what I was talking about last night. That's what's in the book. You have to understand cause and effect and how it works in the mind, and you have to realize that you have to free your mind from this kind of false linear cause-effect thinking, because you'll never find happiness or peace of mind as long as you still believe that there's causes in form and effects in form. The mind is causative, and the thoughts are very powerful, and that's why you need to put your full attention in finding your... Uh, what you are thinking and believing, put all your attention into that and start to pull your attention away from concluding and, and uh, trying to figure out what the world means, because you'll never figure out what this world means, I'll guarantee you that. This world can be forgiven, but you can never figure it out. There's a lot of bright people, uh, like Vincent van Gogh who is an amazing artist, but he killed himself and many artists, they start to tune into a deeper sense of purpose and then they look at the world and they just go, I cannot understand or figure out this world. And sometimes they just kill themselves because it's too frustrating. That, that inner love that they feel doesn't match with the picture of the world. And sometimes they get so hopeless that they just kill themselves. What we're going to do is give you the tools to understand that the picture You don't need to keep looking at the picture. You're not going to find the kingdom of heaven through the five senses. You're not going to find the kingdom of heaven through the body's eyes or ears. So don't even worry about that. Like Lini last night was talking about her her screaming two-year-old. You know, ultimately, it's not the screaming sound that's so painful. It's It's the belief inside that I'm not... What, what would a good mother do? And, and why is a good mother experiencing a screaming two-year-old that will not stop screaming? But ultimately the Christ is just saying, you're more than a mother. You you are the dreamer of this whole dream. And those screaming sounds are just no different than construction sounds or uh, sounds of coming off the radio or whatever. It's the meaning that we read into these screams, that that's where the guilt comes up. It's not the sounds themselves are not guilt-inducing. It's what's underneath the interpretations in the mind that say, you're not a very good mother, or "Why, why is my daughter screaming right when I'm ready to watch this, participate in this online retreat? What did I do wrong? Didn't I give her enough love? Didn't, wasn't I there for her enough that she's going to scream when I have this important online retreat? You see, these are the interpretations and thoughts that are tormenting in the mind, not the screams. You know, so this pigeon thing, just remember from the beginning, all this is showing you is that there's, you can't really use behavior to make your associations. You can't really look for cause-effect relationships in the world and base what you do on on those actions because that's not going to free your mind.
1: Can I uh, it's a good leading yeah. to something you wrote here is a good question to ask in any situation is will this reinforce or loosen my belief in linear time?
2: Yeah.
1: A course in miracles teaches that time is transcended in the holy instant, which is an instant in which we choose the Holy Spirit instead of the ego. As we undo the belief in linear time and our attachment to specifics, we rise to the dreamer of the dream perspective. This is the only experience that can bring us true freedom and happiness. Yes,
0: that's it. Oh, it's good. That's it. <laughs> okay, take it away. Okay. Okay, that's a very beautiful theme. Because something that most people can relate to, the idea of parents getting divorced and the question being posed, have you made up your mind, are you going to stay with mommy or daddy? You know, this, this is a world and a realm of impossible choices. You know, that's an impossible choice, again, for a nine-year-old boy to make. And it's just showing two scenarios: one in which he goes and is scooped up in the train by the mother, and another and the father has, is looking all forlorn. And then another scenario where the father cries out Nemo's name, and then he his shoe falls off and he he misses the train. And that will spin off two completely different scenarios of of life with mom and a life with dad. Those are. We could say alternate scenarios, but this whole world is alternate scenarios. It's all these generated seeming choices between one illusion and another. And this world is a generation of scenarios as if the separation happened. So all these scenarios, none of them end up consistently happy. None of them end up consistently joyful. There is no hope of escape inside any of these dream scenarios. And it's probably most blatantly spelled out by Jesus in A Course in Miracles where he says, all the roadways of the world lead to death all the roadways of the world, all these scenarios, these form scenarios, they never end up happy. There is a state of mind that you can find by going for another purpose for the world, forgiveness, but there is no personal scenario that ends up with eternal happiness. They're all distractions away from eternity. And that's what seeming reincarnation is. Whether you throw it out in a linear perspective of all these different lifetimes, most of which have been pushed out of awareness and forgotten, or you start to open up to a new interpretation of the world where you start to realize that all these scenarios actually are going on simultaneously, but but actually as long as you believe you can pick and choose among illusions, to find the better illusion, to find the illusion that leads you out of illusions. You're not going to find it in form. They all these lead to death. There is another purpose in the mind, that once you give yourself over to this purpose, it will lead your mind into this unified perspective of the world, the forgiven world or the happy dream, it's called the real world in A Course in Miracles, that that is part of the escape from time and space. That is part of returning to spirit, returning to eternity. But you can start to see, even from the very, after the pigeon scene, I don't know if you remember, the next scene is Nemo in a morgue, and and Nemo's voice coming in and saying, what did I do to deserve this? And right away he's flashing through different scenes, looking for what preceded the white-faced, dead, open-eyed morgue scene of Nemo in the morgue. And he was fishing around, you know, did I drown? Was I shot in a, in a bathtub? <laughs> uh, what, what was the scenario, that, what was the cause of death? You hear that? What was the cause of death? The ego invented birth, the ego invented the body, the ego invented death. But deeper than that, the ego always says there has to be a cause going on in form. What was the cause of death? He's fishing around through all these memory fragments. Even though he wasn't, uh, he didn't get his lip touched by the angels of oblivion. And basically he tells his mom, I can remember the future. She says, no, no, you, we remember the past, Nemo, we don't <laughs> remember the future. Uh, what I did, oh that's deja vu, yeah, everyone has those moments, you know, their ego always is trying to explain away. And yet here's this little Nemo, just a child, and he's already seemingly got psychic abilities, like Nostradamus, he's he's seeing flashes and fragments of the future, He He was having a vision uh, when he was laying in bed and he wet his his pajamas of of a scenario going on with his father uh, who has, he's distracted a bit after he gets out of his car, forgets to put on the brakes, put the car in park and he's got a little eggshell on his lip and the father seems distracted by that. Meanwhile, the car rolls down Cause and effect, like with the pigeon, seems to hit the the mother and and the baby carriage goes flying. And you can see the guilt of the belief that you actually, through your own negligence, killed another human being by an accident or mistake. You can see the father goes into depression. All we see are bits and fragments. We can see the mother and the father arguing, well... You know what that feeling of guilt does to a relationship, if one of the partners suddenly has a huge guilt in their heart for having done something, they have huge remorse, huge regret and depression. You can see the look on the flash of the father's face, just the sadness, the depression of believing that you caused another person's death. That's all part of the ego's tricks. You may be thinking back to your own memories of what you did or didn't do, what you said or didn't say, what you did wrong in a particular situation, that you still carry a regret, you still carry sadness in your heart, you still carry a heaviness from something that you did. It's not what you did or didn't do that produces the guilt. All of these projections of bodies and scenes and scenarios are projections from the wrong mind. They're all projections from the ego of scenes and scenarios in a, strung together in a linear way, which the ego made up as well, linear time, all designed to keep the mind guilty. All designed to hold and perpetuate that guilt, to keep the guilt sealed and stuck in the mind. Instead of, instead of going deeper and releasing that, that guilt, that belief in bodies, that belief in time and space, all those things have to be released to the Holy Spirit to find eternal innocence. And this movie is showing the whole ego scheme of how it uses memory, past memories to, to retain guilt, to retain fear, to keep the mind stuck in this dark belief of the ego. And yet, none of these projections, none of these scenarios, none of what's perceived in this world as these separate scenarios will ever take you back to heaven. You, you have to have the whole thing reinterpreted. You need miracles, you need witnesses of reflections of the joy in your heart to come to convince you that you are not of this earth, that you are not of time that you ex- exist your very being is before time was and the holy spirit has this major convincing job to say please let me use your mind for miracles so i can convince you you're innocent you're a child of god you're a perfect child of god and you've never left that that perfect loving god you still remain in in god's mind so this is the the big reversal of what the pl- the great plan of awakening is about, and we can see from these scenes in Nima, we've seen a bit of Jean, we've seen the three little, the three girls sitting on the bench, Jean, Elise, and Anna. We could, we've seen the marriage scenes, they're all, he gets married to them in the same church, <laughs> comes out of a different door, and these are three different scenarios. Three different love relationships in which he'll try to find the completion that he believes he's lacking, trying to find the fulfillment that he believes he needs. Try to find, that's what the ego is saying, something's missing, you don't feel whole and complete. And the ego is saying, come on over here into time and space, I'll help you find that missing part. And yet, the missing part is not, what's missing is not in time and space, it's, it's in the belief that we could separate from God. That's why we have to be still and go inside. That's why the answer is found inside. Michael found another passage here.
1: Within, within each seeming choice, other multiple scenarios play out as well. The realization we have to come to is that because every scenario is a thought in the mind, everything is happening simultaneously. There has to be a way out of this predicament out of this strange, illusory world. Eventually, Mr. Nobody is going to show us what it is.
0: Okay, roll it. We're on an adventure. Mr. Nobody's gonna show us the escape. See you around. Okay, let's pause it there. Cause and effect. Your chance with the soulmate. And you're on the beach. And out of your mouth comes the words, I don't go swimming with idiots. And then the whole scenario plays out, then you don't see your soulmate again until you see her with her children years later. Cause, you say the wrong words. Effect, your soulmate ends up with somebody else and you meet her in a train station with, with her children. You see? This is the thing of, of unrequited love. Think of all the movies that play out of, of what could have been. You know, isn't that an interesting theme in movies? What could have been? How your life could have gone if you had only said the right things, if you'd said the right words. You know, he's already, on the, on the train, having remorse. Why did I say those words? But this whole movie is demonstrating the guilt, the sadness, the pain, the fear of, of what, how things could have been different if only I had said something different, done something different. Lamenting the past, lamenting what could have been. And Jesus is just Reaching us through the Course and he's just saying you have to let go of that way of thinking We don't have to think like that anymore There came a point in Jesus's life where he had to Look for another answer. He had to to go to the Holy Spirit inside and say What is my purpose? And the Holy Spirit's like you are the Savior of the world Follow me and I will show you a different way of thinking that will release your mind from guilt, and that was Jesus' gift as a demonstration. He simply saw that there was another way beyond time and space. My kingdom is not of this world, he said. He was describing a spiritual kingdom where we are one with God and not a place, a state of mind, where we remain one with our Creator. And this movie is showing all these different scenarios of all these fragments of memory, that that actually cannot be put together into a meaningful way. As I shared before, there's that movie Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, it seems to loop in the end, and you don't really know where you came in, at what point, but you don't really know what the beginning of the movie is, or the end. It's a very similar feeling with this movie that as you watch it, you can see these scenarios and then you watch your mind when you see a character like Elise or, or Jean or Anna and you see it in context with Nemo. Oh, is the, oh, he has children it looks like with Elise, but oh, it looks like he was in a scenario where they were behind a propane truck on a bridge and it blew up. Uh, How does that fit in? See the ego is always tries to make sense. If you pick up a novel and you start reading a novel and somebody told you it's a great novel, a Great Gatsby or something, and then you start reading it and you start have to read, 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 read to find out what's happening. What is the story? In the end, you start to realize that Jesus and the Holy Spirit aren't interested in stories. They will only use stories and parables that help lift you higher in consciousness. But the stories themselves don't mean anything. It's, do they inspire your mind? Do they bless you? Do they take you towards the portal of escape, towards eternity? When you're looking at your job, when you're looking at your partnerships, your friends, your family, when you're looking at your, your situation in life, what seems to be the situation surrounding your personality self, the only question you should really ask is, what is this for? Is this relationship taking me back to eternity, helping me transcend linear time? Is this job helping me towards eternity? Is this function, is anything that I'm doing taking me towards the escape from linear time, escape from guilt and towards everlasting life? Even your religion, is my religion taking me towards a feeling in my heart of everlasting life? Do I feel joy? Do I feel the miraculous coming through me and surrounding me and radiating through me? Am I extending gifts? to everything and everyone. Blessing everything and everyone that I perceive. Letting the Holy Spirit's love pour through me and the Jesus's love pour through so that I'm coming closer to accepting myself as the Christ, as Spirit. Am I, are the decisions I'm making in time and space expanding my consciousness, giving me these quantum expansions, or do they feel limiting and Do they feel contradictory? Do they feel like opposites just flipping back and forth every day? Do you feel constrained in your heart or do you feel a sense of expansiveness coming every day? These are the questions you need to be asking yourself. Because our mind was created by God and it's extremely powerful and this whole lifetime that seems to be your life in this world is just a a, a press a, a preference package is just an idolic preference package. This personality self that you seem to to be is not the truth of you. It's not the I amness of you. It's not the full expanse of you. It's just a a preference package, an idolic preference package that's that's not you. But the spirit can even use what you made, or what the ego made, to expand the mind, expand the consciousness, keep expanding to come closer and closer and closer to what Jesus said, you know, in the Bible. Let the mind be that of, of Christ Jesus. You know, let, let you realize that you share the same mind with Christ Jesus, with Christ not a male or a female, not a masculine or a feminine, but a, but a mind that is holy because it was created by God and still is one with God. The God the cause and Christ the effect are, are one, they're simultaneous, they, they are together, they are not separate. And, and et- in eternity, God doesn't come before anything. There is no before and after in eternity. Think about that. There's no before or after in spirit. It's only in time where we have these strange ideas as before and after. So we're here at lunchtime. I, I, that's something for you to chew on uh, at lunch. Even when you're eating that sandwich or that soup or that salad, just ask yourself, is this choice loosening me from linear time and taking me back towards eternity? Even the choice of where you go to eat. What feels more expansive, you know, what feels most expansive for your lunch? Maybe you want to do some stretches or yoga stretches. Maybe you want to meditate, maybe you want to eat, maybe you want to fast. What is it that will expand my mind? Maybe you want to go to the restroom like Lisa. Uh, Whatever. If that will relieve you and help bring your mind back to peace, that's good. Anything that you do that supports expansiveness is important, and you need to pay attention. So, we'll see you back in in about two hours. We will continue on with Mr. Nobody.
1: But we'll go back to Jeff, and then he'll uh, and Jeff back to uh, Kristen, who's going to talk Jeff and Kristen some of
0: these wonderful resources. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) See you soon.
1: Okay.